October 13th, 2008, First Church and Parish in Dedham. Welcoming all who enter in, the Reverend Raleigh Weaver. Maybe some of you have already know, but yesterday was, in fact, National Coming Out Day. So in honor of that day, I want to come out to all of you. I must admit that I am and have always been a heterosexual. I'm sorry to have to tell you in this way, and I hope you can forgive my directness. You might think it odd for your minister to make such a proclamation. Why should your minister stand in the pulpit and tell you her sexuality at all? Why should it matter in this day and age? As President Bush calls for states to affirm that marriage is just between a man and a woman, when heterosexual privilege is affirmed in all but three of our 50 states, when both of our vice presidential candidates can talk of giving privileges to same-sex couples, but just not allowing them to call it marriage, and when heterosexual rights are affirmed everywhere, why should it matter what I am? What And what, if anything, does my heterosexuality and the worldview supporting heterosexuality have to do with welcoming every person who enters our doors anyway? This is really the essence of the question I want us to try to answer today, putting the question in even more positive and perhaps less facetious terms. I want to address how we a very welcoming congregation already, can strive to be even more welcoming. I believe that finding ways for each of us to be fully known and accepted in the full expression of our humanness can help us to live in right relationship with our principles and purposes as Unitarian Universalists and help us to be more welcoming. As real progress seems to be being made as states one by one affirm civil rights of same-sex couples to marry, first in Massachusetts, then in California, and just Friday in Connecticut, you might wonder why I'm bringing this subject up. In a world that is changing more quickly than many had predicted, in a state that is a liberal bastion of thought, it would be easy to become complacent about civil rights. And for some of you, there might be a question of why we need to strive to be more welcoming when you have long since stopped thinking about whether someone is black or white, blue or green, male or female, conservative or liberal, straight or gay, or transgendered. And find that the first thing you notice about a person when you meet them is whether they smile at you or not, or whether they use a kind-hearted voice. It is easy to think our biases are gone because we hold up a value of affirming the inherent worth and dignity of every person as one of our core principles. But I believe we can always strive to be more affirming, more welcoming, and more open. We can strive to open our eyes to the subliminal messages in our culture and the quiet, nagging prejudices still left in our own subconscious. Just as we can strive to have deeper understanding, get closer and closer to the truth by examining our our spiritual and scientific beliefs, 
I believe the best way to become more affirming, more open, more welcoming to all that enter our doors begins when we closely examine our own hearts. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if more than one of you in this room thought when I spoke of coming out day, I was about to tell you that I am a lesbian. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was one or more of you who might have felt some relief to hear me say the word heterosexual, and perhaps one or more of you who was disappointed I did not say I was a lesbian in my coming out statement. Now, some of you might have seen through my sermon beginning today as a silly parlor trick. But a few weeks ago, after asking the children if there was anything people in the room didn't know about them, when I shared that I have a tattoo, I bet there were a few more of you who had a shock to your senses and had to reconcile your brains to what you know about me and what your expectations of a person with tattoos are. I say this not to make you come out of the closet in your bias, but to point out that we all have unconscious norms, and when people don't meet our expectations, we sometimes feel discomfort. This unconscious discomfort might show its head by expressing difficulty saying hello or making eye contact. So examining very closely what our beliefs are and how they influence our expectations of others is a necessary step in becoming our most welcoming. Part of being welcoming has to do with how we use our language. The reason some of the rhythm, hymns were rewritten with different lyrics from the red hymnal in your pews to the gray hymnal we usually use is because the words in the red hymnal were not gender inclusive. Imagine for thousands of years women coming to church and hearing the liturgical words of the prayers and hymns every week that spoke of God as a man and implied that men were the only sex who would reach salvation. What might that do to a woman's self-esteem? This gray hymnal was first printed in 1993, only 15 years ago, and although the thoughts of inclusivity were prevalent in our denomination long before 1993, it wasn't until that time that inclusive language was institutionalized into our liturgy. Part of changing a cultural idea requires institutionalizing it for the next generation, Writing things down and creating rituals to address changes helps to perpetuate progress. And this is part of the reason we need strong laws that protect the civil rights of individuals in order to maintain consistency for generations. So we don't waver in our resolve based on some subjective politician's belief or the public's whim. This is the same reason we have bylaws in our church to institutionalize our practices so they have some consistency over generations. Changing our laws or our bylaws or even our liturgy is necessary to becoming a more welcoming congregation because we must institutionalize our intentions and maintain consistency of our beliefs and practices for generations in order for change to take place in our thinking. 
While there are many reasons, I believe it is time that we as a congregation participate in a formal discussion about being a welcoming congregation. I feel I must recognize that some of my urgency to have these discussions stems from the generation I was born into. You see, I was born in the year 1965, and in the year 1964, the year before I was born, Life magazine, a major publication of the day, published an issue addressing questions of sexuality and for the first time in American history acknowledged that homosexuality was not, as previously considered, some maladjusted behavior, but instead recognized it as a normal expression of human sexuality. You see, all of my life, same-sex attraction has been coming out of the closet and has not had to be as hidden as it was before. For all of my life, the science community has recognized same-sex attraction and opposite-sex attraction both as healthy and normal expressions of sexuality. And while full acceptance of this truth has taken some time to reach the public conscience and be mirrored in our laws, the evolution towards acceptance in my lifetime has enabled me to fully accept that my heterosexuality is just one way of being on a massive continuum of ways of being in this world. All of this is to say that part of my urgency comes from my worldview that has been informed by the time in which I was born. Some of my sense of urgency also stems from my experience. As some of you know, in my recent visit to San Francisco, I remarried a same-sex couple that had married in 2004. In 2004, when I was serving as the parish intern at, first, at the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, I was invited to officiate in many same-sex marriages. When the new, then-new mayor, Gavin Newsom, allowed same-sex couples to be married in San Francisco without first asking for state approval. Unfortunately, and very sadly for those couples, several months later, their unions were annulled by the state Supreme Court. Recently, the California state legislator decided that denying same-sex couples the right to marry was in fact denying a civil right because separate is inherently unequal. So I was invited to return to San Francisco and officiate at Tori and Ramona's wedding. When we arrived at City Hall this time, I was surprised at how chaotic the marriage activity was. It seemed as crazy as when I was in San Francisco in 2004. And it was explained that Proposition 8 is on the November ballot to eliminate same-sex marriage and establish marriage as between a man and a woman in the state of California. And so many same-sex couples are remarrying in a frenzy in the state of California in order to establish a legal union in case the state repeals the privilege. Can you imagine the state refusing you the right to marry the person you love? Not only that, but giving it and then taking it away. As we entered the city hall for the ceremony, the brides dressed in their finest and surrounded by their friends and family, we had to pass through a large press conference on the steps of city hall. 
The press conference was outwardly about the Folsom Street Fair, where nudity and pornography has in recent years made that fair unsafe and uncomfortable for most all of the residents of San Francisco's. I am pretty sure most everyone would agree that nudity and sex in the streets where anyone walking by has to be exposed to it is worthy of protest. The problem with this press conference was that in front of the microphone sat a large Say Yes on Proposition 8 sign. What the people who were offering the press conference were doing was equating public pornography with gay marriage. The scare tactics, the misinformation, the lie that tells people that heterosexuality is right and homosexuality is all wrong, and the subliminal ways that this lie is perpetuated outrages me. As we walk into City Hall on their wedding day, there was a feeling of passing through a picket line in an ab- at an abortion clinic. The level of hatred on the steps of City Hall astounded me. And I know from this experience that the climate of fear that we are living in is affecting everyone. And in a world where you can be hated for your physical characteristics that you were born with, or for your skin color, for your body type, for your inclinations, there are countless people who need a safe haven. And what are we as a church community if we cannot offer a safe haven to those who need it? It takes a lot of energy to live in a world that holds up expectations that limit you and disenfranchise you. It takes a great deal of energy to swim against a tide of expectation of the world being one way when you were actually born in another way. In times like these, when the resources are more and more limited, when people's security is threatened, human nature is to want to find a place to fit in, and so people begin to take sides. To get very clear that we refuse to take sides and to intentionally offer a place where we can all belong amidst all of our differences and amidst all of our uniqueness, finding the web that connects us is what makes us a Unitarian Universalist Church. I could share with you a million more reasons why I, as your minister and as an unattached heterosexual woman, think this is a vitally important conversation for us to have. In fact, I'm ending this sermon before I've made every point I wanted to make. And this is because this isn't about what I think. It is about what we all think. So in our fall meeting, there will be a request of the membership to support, with your time and energy, the welcoming congregation process. This will not be a definitive vote to make us a welcoming congregation, but only a vote to begin the process, to begin the conversation. The process includes several classes and discussions intended to help us to learn to listen to each other more deeply and to give us an opportunity to examine our beliefs and allow for our differences of opinion. I hope you will consider voting yes and supporting this effort with your time and attention. And in the meantime, 
I hope you will join with me in celebrating the wide variety of ingredients that make up our individual uniqueness and sing out praises for the wide variety of journeys which we come together to share.